are now listening to the Planet Podcast. Raw stories from church planners, leaders, and entrepreneurs with your host, me, Brenton Johnson. Brenton Johnson. Do you have a dream in your heart and want to go all in? Hear stories from leaders just like you. It's our prayer that these stories will encourage and inspire you to make that dream in your heart come true. Get ready and get planted. What's up, boss? How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing really good. How are you doing? Really good. Good. Stressed. Um, Why are you stressed? Same time, blessed. Oh, blessed. I was going to say, you shouldn't be stressed, man. Both. Both. (laughs) Going through the process, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. So what are we going to be talking about today? Um, I just want to hear your story. Uh, The ups and the downs, the ins and the outs. This is just for church planters that... uh, you know what? Let's let's get into the reality of it. What what it's going to be like when you're when you're in it, and then what happens afterwards. So yeah. you're, you're on the back end. We've had some guys on the front end, and so it's just exciting to hear that's, every journey and the awesome. perspective. So well, I would be honored to share. So um, who's the the audience? Is church planners, right? Yeah. Sweet. Well, that's awesome. That's my favorite thing, actually. Just got done having uh, coffee with a church planner from Australia that's moving to Tampa to launch a church. So we're going to help him out. And then just got off the phone with a, right before this, for a church planner in Denver that's wanted some information on how to plant. And so it's always fun. But uh, I'll give you a kind of quick synopsis. I grew up in a uh, kind of wild, crazy church um, and never really experienced healthy ministry, um, experiencing like a kind of life-giving, spirit-filled environment. So my wife and I, when we got married, um, I was a youth pastor for about five years before we got married. And then when we got married, um, we really felt God was calling us to um, start a church. And so we didn't have a context of how to do that healthy. So we went and did training and went and actually went on like kind of a nine-month detox of just kind of trying to relearn church and went to some of the fastest growing churches in America that, I mean, say the names, everybody's been to them. Everybody knows about them. And just try to learn culture. We're like, we just realized we didn't know culture. We just knew kind of hyper crazy charismania. So we um, learned culture of how to do this thing right. And so um, read uh, Purpose Driven Church, which is like the, the guru of church planning 30 years in a row. I mean, you didn't matter who you do your training from when everybody's still using the same principles that Rick Warren taught 30 years ago. You put a date on the calendar, you work backwards. You launch large, you build as many people as you can. So we uh, uh, had a dream in our heart for Tampa. We wanted to be in a major city. And I heard one of the best advice someone ever told me was uh, when you're picking the city, first of all, God will give you a supernatural love for it. And two, make it a place that you don't have to leave to vacation. And I thought it was the greatest idea. Like you'll want to be there all the time. Like you'll not want to sit there and go, oh, I need to get out of this town to go somewhere fun. Like it is fun. It's if you want to raise your kids, you want to have a, like, it's just people come to you to vacation and you want to be in that spot. So, um, we wanted to be in Florida. We hate the cold. And so we just couldn't do cold. So, uh, uh yeah, yeah. You, you didn't get that <laughs> advice, did you? So, no, not on that one. <laughs> so we, uh, we moved and, uh, moved here. So we resigned our job and, um, she was a nurse. I was a youth pastor. We had a, had a business, solar business. And then we resigned the job and moved to Tampa. We actually lived with my father and mother-in-law for uh, three months, which was the worst three months of my entire life. Um, and not because they're, they're, they're crazy. Um, they are, no, they're not. I'm just joking. <laughs> not because they're crazy, but because uh, that's just a lot of stress. I think people, 
nobody warned me about the massive amount of stress it takes on a pastor, like to on a church planner. Because us guys, we find so much of our um, uh, validity in who we are based off of our ability to provide. And when you don't have any money, you're trying to start a church, you don't have anybody with you, and you're just encouraging yourself in the Lord because you know that's what the scriptures tell you. You realize you're like, this is a lot of work. It was, it was the most stressful time of my life. Uh, those first couple months, most stressful time of my life, worst times financially. And honestly, it was the hardest in my marriage we ever had. Um, we were fighting a lot. And then we finally had the, the talk where we were in like this throwdown fight about something so stupid. And we finally had this talk and we were like, you know what? I wonder if there's something bigger that's attacking us. Then just it's, it's more than just about us. Like there's something big going on. So we just knew we were under spiritual attack. So came here and then we had our, uh, I have family in Lakeland. My wife lives in, families live in Lakeland and that's an hour away from where our church is going to be. So we recruited all of them. Actually, the first family we ever sat down with, uh, part of our family, kind of distant connections, uh, we, we pitched the church and we're like, okay, this is going to be our, our guinea pig. This is the easy one. We're going to pitch it. And we're going to do a whole dinner and make it happen. And so we do this dinner. We pitch it to this family. And the uh, right away, I mean, like, not even like we'll pray about it. Very first thing, they go, nope, not for us. Thanks. We're like, God, what are you doing? So it was, uh, it was rough for those first couple of months. Nobody warned me about that. So um, that's, that's, that's the time I tell people all the time. I'm like, you have no clue. Uh, what you're getting into. So anytime I get an opportunity to hang out with church planners um, and talk to church planners, I'm always like, yeah. you guys need to know the road you're getting into. It's going to be <laughs> awesome and it's going to be worth it, but it's a lot of pain. So, uh, so let's talk about some more of those stressors. Yeah. Um, in the time. Can, you, can you dive in a little bit and maybe become a little bit more vulnerable about what was that season like? Yeah. Well, um, so... Um, I didn't have any money, um, which I, money is a big deal because, you know, you, you have this huge goal. And I mean, you know, you went to church planning training, like they give you this goal. And it's just like and it seems overwhelming how much money you have to raise. And then you have a family. So I had a six month old baby at the time. Um, and so I think it was like I was on overdrive in how much it took to just simply like um, make this thing work. And I'm a driver. So I'm going to, I'm going to figure out anything short of sin to make this thing happen. So I was working, uh, and this is not an exaggeration and I don't do this now, but I was working 80 hours a week easily just for this thing to make to work. So, um, I, I did overtime just trying to make this thing work. So that is not healthy. Um, and then it puts stress on my marriage, which is not healthy. I tell church planners all the time. Do you think that you had to do that, um, in that season? Like, did you have to work that many hours to make it happen? Um, well, it's different because what I know now is I know a lot of things I did stupid. Like I shouldn't have done them. Like I, I just, I spent a lot of my time, you know, things that I should have subbed out. I should have subbed out website stuff a long time ago. I should have subbed out printing type stuff and graphics and some doing all this kind of stuff. I'm, I, I know how to network better now than I did back then. You know, then I didn't know how to do anything. Mm -hmm. So you're learning it as you go. Um, and I just wanted so bad. Um, I, I, I think the best church planners 
are hyper evangelists. They, they have a heart for, you know, I think it's Luke 15 or Luke 14. Um, you know, it's, it's the lost coin, the lost sheep, the lost son. It's, 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 I'm going to go after that, which has not been going after. I'm driven towards eternity. They're the best church planners, but also kind of the entrepreneur, the, the guy that goes, I just like, there's something that's not here that I'm going to make. And entrepreneurs are overtime workers. They, they have ownership of the idea. So we're the worst of both. So entrepreneurs overwork, and then we're doing it for eternity. So we have every excuse to not do it. So people ask me all the time now, they're like, what would you do different? I would have rested more before. Because it's, it's a lot. Church, I'm doing this for the rest of my life. And I'm going to launch churches the rest of my life. And I'm going to launch campuses the rest of my life. And I just realized at that time, I never rested. So I was taking it on my wife, taking it on myself. Um, we didn't do vacation. Like it was, um, I didn't take a break on a Sunday um, until, uh, you know, we're probably six months in, which is a terrible idea. So, um, but it was, it was, it was a, it was a, it was a hard season, but um, anything substantial is going to be hard. You know what I also wish too? I wish somebody would have braced me for, to prepare for it. Cause like, um, uh, labor, you know, I'd never been through labor, but you know, like my wife going into our second labor was so much easier than going into the first, even though I know it's a lot of hard work for her and yeah. listening to this, she knows <laughs> a lot of work. We got it. Hardest job in the world. But anyway, um, but it, uh, it, it, someone needs to prepare you for pain because there is a, there's this, there, my buddy says, said it this way, you know, everybody plans for success. Nobody plans for struggle. I'm like, oh, that's so true. Like, so anyway, I wish, I wish some, I would have planned to go, okay, this is a season. Actually, I, I teach it now all the time. You know, a car has an idle and a car has the red, um, RPMs. And a, and a good car can go on both extremes. They just can't live there. Yeah. Um, so I wish someone would have prepared me that this is an extreme you're going to have. And here's how you take time off. And here's how you break and take a Sabbath. Um, so I think that's a big deal. But you're going to work hard hours. You got to. Nobody knows who you are. How, how are you going to how are you going to introduce yourself to a city? Nobody knows who you are. So, um, so I did that. It was easier once I moved into the community to be honest. So, yes, that's, that's my hardest thing right now, right? It's just, we're building momentum every step of the way. It's, it's hard to build momentum, but it's easy to, when you have momentum to keep going. And so right now it's just, them. Oh yeah. It, it's hard. When is your launch day again? Uh, September 16th. Yeah. Yeah. That's the same day we're launching uh, our third location. Yeah. A good day to launch. You're going to kill it. You're going to be awesome. Right, trying to go after it. So um, yeah, let's, let's keep going to your story. So, yeah. so uh, build, and, and all that yeah, fun so stuff. We, um, I'll tell you the thing I, I just told the church planner on the phone. The best thing we did is when we gathered our team from the very beginning, we're going to be a church that, that looks like the team and is going to build this thing off of the team. It's not going to be built off of me. So every time we got together, we resourced them. So we, Hey, here's a new video you can share. Here's a new event you can invite people to. Here's a new um, community event that we're going to be doing. So our very first meeting was on St. Patrick's Day, which now looking back was a bad idea. Didn't know it was a bad idea then. Um, St. Patrick's Day, Friday, uh, Sunday night, St. Patrick's Day, we did our uh, first interest meeting. And we got together and 17 people showed up, um, 17 adults. 
So I talked to him. We, we got a whiteboard and dreamed. What do you think the church would look like? And everybody um, was basically uh, really, you know, putting all the things. What do you think a perfect church would do? And they would, you know, we wrote it all out. And they didn't know it. I had it in three different categories. And then, then I drew a line and talked about, you know, how this, that's going to be the vision of the church and outlined it. It was a great thing. So I got them all pumped up. But then I always give them a next step. And I encourage church planners. A lot of time we get a lot of inspiration without direction. And it's pointless because you get people really excited. But there's got to be a, a practical next step. I want it to be very clear what everybody needs to do when they leave that meeting. So I made it very clear. Hey, I, so we ended it with showing our very, pro, our very first promo video, which now the video kind of sucks. But then it was awesome. So, so I would never make that video now, but back then it was like so cool and so awesome. Yeah. And um, so we showed it to them and they were all like on cloud nine. Like, I can't believe this. And uh, then I said, okay, well, here's your next step. I want you all go on Facebook and I want you all to share it right now and invite everybody to our next meeting in three weeks. So I went from that meeting to, you know, 20 something people, 30 people. We launched with about 40 adults on our team. We made it a point to do a community event every single month. So we actually did a, a, we did multiple like festivals and stuff, which were great. But one of the big things we did was uh, we actually did a serving event before we ever launched a church. And to me, I just wanted to put in the, in the minds of the people that serving's not um, a thing our church does. Serving is what we do. Like it's just, it's, it's how we operate. So we found a local um, uh, women's shelter. They do uh, teenage pregnancies and we still sit there all the time. And uh, we pressure washed their stuff and just went out there and served. All those kind of things create buzz for your community. Um, there's a difference between making noise and creating buzz. The guys with the little uh, signs on the side of the street that are turning create a lot of noise. The people in the mall that put the, the papers on, your, on, your, on your, uh, your windshield, that creates noise. It's not buzz. Apple creates buzz. Do you see the difference? Apple sits there and where everybody's talking about it before, you know, it's not, there's a way to get people talking. Oh, did you hear about that church? Yeah. I saw they had the, the people passing out waters. And then I went on their Facebook page and saw they were serving at the alpha house. And then yeah. I went in and looked and I got a mailer thing from it. There's something about these guys. Yeah. People talking about you before you ask them to talk about you. Yeah. That's great. Um, so we started building the team. We, from March 17th to September 15th, six months um was our team building time uh grew it um, i wasn't the best honestly there was a lot of pre-launch guys that built teams way better than i am but we built it to about 40 adults um i, I put a lot of my bank, my um focus on the fact that i'm going to be able to launch really well through um marketing so um we started six weeks out with our marketing plan and so we we basically made the facebook event there we had spent time you know kind of getting likes on our page, all those normal things. Um, it was six weeks out that we changed our website from a church plant website to now we're actually a church. Like here's our Sunday service times. Here's what we got for our kids. Here's what the service is going to look like. Um, and then, um, and then we started creating buzz around the community about the launch. So I think any further than that, two or three months out, I, I wouldn't advertise your launch, your launch date other than to your team. Nobody needs to know about it. Um, but to us, we made it a big deal that that's our, that's our date. We're going to do that. And then we started multiple events almost every week. We did door hangers. We did water bottles on big events. Um, 
Uh, we did guard signs all over town. We put them on places we shouldn't have put them on. We don't do that anymore, but we did it then a lot. So you do things in those early days. And then we, uh, we did a practice service. I would recommend every church planner listening to me to do a practice service that nobody in your community will ever know about. <laughs> it was the worst service we've ever put on. Actually, someone accidentally showed up because a mailer hit their house a little bit early. And, um, <laughs> they never came back for sure because it was the worst message I've ever preached in my entire life, hands down. So it was, it was pretty bad. But, um, but I left there and from that practice service, and I said, that's the worst thing we've ever done. And then I went to uh, KFC up the street, probably the last time I've eaten at KFC. Um, but I went to KFC and sat by myself for like three hours. And I said, okay, next Sunday, and it's going to be the best message I ever preached in my entire life. <laughs> and I brought it. And, uh, and those two people didn't ever show back up, but 348 people did. And that's all that mattered. So, um, so those people showed up and then we had a church um, yeah. from day one. So how did you grow in that, in that season personally? Um, what are some of the things that you worked through and things that you learned? That's a great question. Um, I, uh, so you, you need good guys in your life that are going to get you back and focused. First of all, there's always someone doing worse than you and there's always someone doing better than you. And neither of those people are your business. You're your business. You know, you, you focus on the lane that God's called you to. So um, I'm thankful that I don't know the people I know now that are launching churches because I would have been miserable because <laughs> 348 people for me was a big deal. But I know guys that have launched churches as five, six, 700 people on opening day. If that would have been the same time and I would have known about them, I would have been miserable. So stay in your lane, you know, have a great relationship with God. That month before, I mean, I'll tell you, we were grinding it out like working hard but that month before i mean we put our whole team on four uh 21 day fast 21 days of prayer we got together and prayed a bunch and that to me just got us realigned with like this is all about his name, his glory his fame and um and so we did that the problem with with launching a church is you don't ever think that you're building everything towards launch day and you don't realize like there's a whole world after that so you can't sustain the pace of launch. You can't, you know, if, if I would have done it again, I would have taken probably a break a month or two in and taken a Sunday off just to get some rest. Cause it was, it's a lot of work those first couple months, but um, I, I read a lot of books, prayed a lot. There was, there was church planning makes you have to pray. I don't ever see people fall morally or fall away from God in the church planning season. Because you have to pray. It's like, it's, it's like if you've ever dealt with a sick child. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're, you're not sitting there going, well, you'll see what God does. No, you're on your knees and seeking God going, this child will live. I'm going to pray it. I'm going to declare it. And it's the same thing in church planning. You're, you're praying. You're seeking God. The problem is not when it – the problem is the after season it's where people mess up. So, um. So I grew a lot, but honestly, the, the struggles come after you launch a church. So, not the struggles of, of ministry, the, the struggles of like personal integrity and character. That's where it's found is the years after. So, yeah. What are some of the things that you, so you went in thinking um, right up until launch, then after you had to go, oh man, we got to, 
we got to change all this up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so, um, first of all, I am not very good at celebrating wins. That's a big mistake of mine. Sorry, I'm trying to turn this thing off. Um, just kill this thing. So I'm not good at celebrating wins and that's a big fault of mine because I am, I am, let's go to the next hill. Let's go to the next mountain. Um, and a mentor in my life just told me, you got to learn how to pause a little bit better and celebrate. So what I did is immediately after the church, um, our very first service, I mean, I was on cloud nine. Our auditorium only sat 200 people. So we had people sitting all outside. It's crazy buzz, crazy excitement. It went like when I look at the experience now, it was horrible. But for that time, it was just so much fun, you know. Um, I just the only thing I compare it to is 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 having a child. Like, you know, I look at my kids now, and like they're beautiful. But I thought it was beautiful when that baby was just born. But now that I look at pictures, it was ugly. You know what I mean? Like, don't tell my kids that, but it's true. So I think at the time, you just, we got to learn how to just pause those first two or three days and celebrate the heck out of it. Man, we had 100 people show up or we had 200 people show up. You know, and I, I just, I use this all the time. You know, the average church size in America is 85 people. Yeah. 85 people. We had 348 people. God is blowing our mind. So I would have celebrated more too. Um, I think one of the things we did really well is I set expectations to our team of what reality is. Reality is half the people are going to slay us. And I, I know everyone's going to fight against it. And I tell them, we're going to fight against those odds. We're all going to do it. But Rick Warren, Chris Hodges, uh, not how good you are. They all had 50% of the people stay. And um, I think I'm good. But I'm not as good as those guys. So, um, and you know what? Six weeks later, seven weeks later, we bottomed it out. And guess how many we bottomed out at? 175 people. It was right at 50%. Yeah. So they're right. So, but I already set their expectations. So when we reach 175 people, people will go, yeah, this is what, yeah, Aaron knows this stuff. He's brilliant. He knew this before we even got there. Like, I didn't know this. I'm just following with these guys. <laughs> but um, so celebrate wins, set expectations. And then third, just set from the very first service the fact that you're going to make it better every single week. And I actually said it from the stage. You might not like this. Might not be, you know, the sound might be off. My preaching might be better. I just want you to know, this is a baby. And it's going to be better next Sunday than it is this Sunday. We're going to find things to make it better. So you come back next week and you just know, you'll real, you'll see improvements every single week. Um, yeah. We did that. We improved every single week. We bought a whole new sound system probably three months in because our sound system was horrible. Our stage design was horrible. Um, we launch locations better now than we did then, but, um, yeah, I would find ways to improve it every single week. Get with your team. You got a team of 40, then you got to realistically, you got a leadership team of five. I think a big mistake is that people talk to that group of five and they go, okay, what are we going to do better next week? Talk to the 40 guys. We celebrated. Let's all. So I took them all out to lunch. We had 40 something people all at lunch and family. So it's probably 50 some people. We rented out a restaurant Sunday afternoon and we all sat around and go, how did we tell stories? And we all just gave story after story after story. That's where I announced the number. I announced the decisions. Woo! Hey, I'm going to follow up with you guys this week. Cause I know this isn't the time to do it because we're just on cloud nine, but we're going to follow up later this week. I want to know what we can do better to make it better next week. 
I did. We had talks and sent out emails. So that kind of stuff. Uh, you got any crazy stories through that, that church playing process? Any crazy people that have shown up or tried to derail things or anything nuts? Or was it pretty smooth? Um, you know, I was shocked. I came out of Brownsville, which was, you know, pretty um, charismatic church in the 90s. Not really. God. So I thought my name being connected with Brownsville would bring some kind of... Uh, um, I did not know that. Yeah, I was all during that. I was actually youth pastor around for six years. That's hilarious. I was five years old. And uh, what, what's the guy, the lead guy's name? What's his name? It was Bill John Kilpatrick. That's okay. So John Kilpatrick came to our church for a revival night. My dad was a worship leader. I was five years old playing uh, drums in a church service. And um, like my, my story is nuts, but uh, I was five years old, got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And um, had this vision of these two beings fighting my life. I'm gonna wrap this up real quick. But you're good. I want to hear it. it. Was um the 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 light overcame the darkness and the light came forward and it took the form of a, a, a silhouette of a person. And he said, "I got so many gifts and so many talents for you. I'm gonna use you to reach the nations and this next the next generation for my name." And then he's like, "Here's the first gift. Open up this box and dude, it's freaking trippy, bro. Like <laughs> like gnarly stuff." And uh, inside it was a drum set. So ever since that day, I started playing drums with my dad. So I was playing drums on stage and he was there that that one week and he he brought me out front in front of the whole church and he's like hey get that little guy out here i was like what the heck is going on and so he's like you know what when you grow a mustache you can come be the worship leader at my church and i was like, I was like what the heck so that's awesome. crazy. yeah yeah so i i know all about that grew up around it and that's i love, that's it. Pretty, I love it it's still my my heritage i love it but i was just gonna do a church a little bit different than those guys but no. but you know what we really we've had some unique characters come in I, i'll tell you um great lesson um is don't promote people to ministry that quick people um set up boards and set up pastoral teams before they ever launch a church and yeah. you know like for instance i get really passionate about this so i'll get excited but um you got to think your pool of people so i'm sitting there going i'll talk to church planners like yeah yeah that's my kid's pastor i was like you have a kid's pastor like, yeah, well, I was like, how did you find a kid's pastor? Well, there's someone on our team and they have a heart for kids. It's like, well, why don't you make them like a leader of a team for kids? Well, you know, I thought they'd be a great pastor. I'm like, you know, your pool of people is 30 people. So you yeah. found the best of 30 to be your kid's pastor. What yeah. are you going to do in the church launches and you're 200? You don't think there's going to be someone with a better, you know, the Bible talks about he gave, you know, a person a one talent and two, five talents. You don't think there's someone with a five town that's going to come along? I mean, now we're a church of 2000. I have a way better pool to pull from than a church of when I started with 40. So I never gave away tiles quick. I put one guy on my board. Um, like we have an internal trustees board. We put him on the board and he went crazy with power. I mean, he was telling staff what to do, telling dream teamers what to do. Hey, I'm a trustee of this church. You better do it. It was wild. And so I pulled him aside. And I was like, I was like, dude, I said, that's not why you're on the team. So you're yeah. an elder in the church because you're supposed to be praying and bringing spiritual insight. And man, he was, he was a disaster. So I removed him from it. Well, of course he caused all this controversy, leaves the church. Um, and John Kilpatrick said this one time. He said, um, if somebody tries to leave, never beg them to stay. If you beg them to stay, they're going to, you're going to always have to beg them to stay. Sleep. And if they leave, they weren't your sheep in the first place. Yeah. So let them go. 
And a lot of times, honestly, like that guy, I tried to hold on to him and I was begging and I put weeks of mental energy into that one guy. Yeah. Now, if that would happen, see you, buddy. Because to me, I just realized it's God that's going to grow his church. And most of the time, if he removed somebody, they were a goat that was there to mess up the church instead of a sheep that was there to learn and grow. So um, I learned that from an early man. I would have waited longer to put people on that team. Yeah. So. All right. So I could care less about all the other church planning stuff because it's all everybody else has talked about it. Let's go back to, let's go back to your childhood and you, you're, if you've been around that group, man, you've got some stories, you've got some stuff. I want to hear what God has done. It's the stuff that he's spoken into your life and um, just the miracles that brought you to the point of even thinking about, oh, church planting. What's this? Because like, dude, I've had a calling on my life that I haven't been able to shake ever since I was five years old. And I mean, I tried to run as hard and fast as I could in high school. And like, I was like, nope, you're going to go back home. So just to, like my story, I was at a party. God told me to go home. It's time to go. It's time to go and uh, to do what I called you to do. Time to go to Bible school. And then uh, I went home and my dad, um, he, I, it was Sunday morning. Dad was getting ready to go out the door to go lead worship, go to church, you know, worst time to go home and drop everything on your parents. This is all the stuff that I've done. Yeah. This is because you got to go and lead. You got to go do all that crap. And so I uh, told him everything and he, like, he didn't seem that, that mad. And I was like, why isn't dad mad? He's like, God told me you were going to come home. He told me you'll grab this VHS tape out of storage a couple of days ago. And he popped it in the, the VHS player. It was me on the ground at five years old when that experience happened to me. Wow. Yeah. And said, this is what you're supposed to go do. This is what God's calling you to go do. And um, he, he's, he's been watching over you this whole time. He's had a plan on you this whole time. You need to go do it. And I was like, all right, I'm in. So, dude. I'm down with the weird. I'm down with whatever. So you got any stories you want to share with us? I love those kind of stories because you got to remember those, especially where you're at in the heat of church planning. You're in six months, five months from yeah. launching this church that's going to change the city. Crazy. But you got to remember what God said over you. And I yeah. think one of those, one of those things, actually, one of the challenges I give church planners all the time is keep a journal. Because you're going to have miracle after miracle like that, like you had when you were five. But you're going to have it all the time, and you're going to want to forget it. The devil's greatest uh, tactic towards me is called spiritual amnesia. He lets me forget what God has done. And I have to remind myself. And I'm not, I don't have a good memory, so I actually have to write stuff down. So I have journals after journals where I have to just write stuff down. Because I don't remember it. If I don't remember it, I won't remember the goodness of God. But he calls you, and you're going to have an unbelievable church. But uh, yeah, my parents got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit at Jimmy Swaggart's church. So <laughs> the big guy in the 80s. And yeah. I was dedicated by Jimmy Swaggart. Um, and then that all fell apart. And then we moved to Pensacola in the 90s, right? We moved to Pensacola and we tried out Brownsville one week before the revival started. And the church was horrible. So we actually, my family kind of got planted in a Calvary Chapel. So I don't know if you're familiar with Calvary Chapels. They're kind of like the hippie surfer California is- churches. Here's the weirdness of like, I don't even know what to say, synchronicity of life. I was literally just trying to torrent Bible commentaries and I pulled up, um, I forget what his name is. Who's the guy that led those? Or, yeah. yeah, I was just trying to find it. And that was the only one that was on there. And I was, a, I'm literally downloading it as we speak. And I felt like God said, you're supposed to listen to these. This, what's, this is what's weird. This and life God's is weird. Yeah. Synchronicity is weird, but you know what? I'm down with it. I'm just going to roll with it. And just, this is what it is. I'm sorry. I love it, man. <laughs> it, it's how God works. How it's, It is crazy. So we were there and then obviously revival was happening at Brownsville. So 
um, I walked away from the Lord for a while, got involved in the wrong friends. And um, when I was 16 years old, my parents paid for me to go every year. They didn't pay, they made me raise money, but they helped me. And I love to travel. So they let me go on a mission trip every year. So I went on a couple and then I walked away from the Lord. Like, I mean, I was with the wrong crowd. We're doing stupid stuff, but I still had a mission trip planned on the calendar. So I went with teen mania. I don't know if you remember teen mania. It's a big organization. Um, <laughs> are you, are you connected with teen mania too? Oh, no, no, no. Okay. I haven't know what that is. It sounds hilarious. Yeah. It's, it's a, it was a big like youth organization. Or so YouTube. YouTube videos of like promos. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's terrible. But anyway, I went with them and um, to the country in Nepal. And so went on a mission trip for one month. And I was just a goof off the whole trip. Like I was just there to meet girls and have fun. But God had a bigger plan and I had an encounter with God on that trip, changed my whole life, called into ministry. And it changed my whole life. So I remember sitting on the side of the, of the hill kind of in a devotional time. And I said, God, I want to give you my life. And I want to do something with my life that make account for eternity. Like, I think God like dropped eternity in my heart, the whole idea of ministry. So I came back and thought I'm not going to do anything else with the rest of my life other than ministry. So I started the small Bible club at my church and my school. And, uh, by the time I moved to go to college, uh, there was 86 high schoolers going to this thing every week. It sounded like a small youth group within my youth group. Yeah. So it's, it's crazy how God prepares you yeah. the whole journey. And I know you've seen that. It's, it's crazy. So it's, it's nuts. Like I'm, I'm genuinely just so thankful and more and more, I just keep preaching the gospel of church planting now more than anything, because yeah. it's like, all these, there's so many churches. So we're in the highest poverty area and like the least Bible-minded region of New York. And we're, we're like up here, dude, it is, it is crazy. Is the more that right I uh, mean a little bit, it's depending on the day. <laughs> yeah. So it's been, it's been extremely, it's been extremely rough, but at the same time, you just know when God calls you and where he calls you to and you just keep together and it's the highs and the lows every single day of oh look at what god did and then the next day it's like god you've abandoned me you know what it doesn't change when the church launches <laughs> um how are you building a team how's it going it's going really good um we've had probably about 80 people come through um on different days and dude it's for our, the numbers of where we are in our city size and everything we are doing fantastic because like, you know, it's a numbers game and yeah. it's just how many people you talk to, the company conversations, how many people you get plugged in and then there's how many people you can launch with. It's just like the whole, the whole thing. So we're doing really good. And also you touched on something earlier about um, like you said, God prepared you, but at the same time, like I went like the birthing pains and I wish that we, you knew what you were going through. So I planted with Will Hampton about um, six years ago in Binghamton, New York, yeah. coming from Springfield, Missouri. So I'm, I, w I grew up in Springfield. I'm a Springfield kid here all, all the way through. What? Yeah, definitely. So that's, that's, that's where we, I grew up at, with playing, uh, playing at AG headquarters and my dad, like playing drums for George Wood and the whole gang for their chapels and stuff like, like, yeah, stupid. But, um, he's like, you want to come plant with me in uh, New York? I was like, heck no. And then I moved out thinking I was moving to New York city. Cause anybody that's not from upstate New York thinks, it's New York city in New York. And so we, I moved up, I saw a city, bawled my, my eyes out and I cried and I said, man, I made a huge mistake 
And then uh, we, we launched the church with 310 um, and went through the whole process with him. But it was really just, I, I had perspective. Yeah. I learned a lot in that season. And if I would have done this, what I'm doing right now without that experience, I would probably be dead. Yeah. <laughs> or I'd be drunk at some bar. I'd be like, you know, like I'm like, I quit. I'm done. I'd be divorced. You know, <laughs> it's like, I can't do this. Well, you're, you're remembering the other side of it. You, there is another side of your pain. So, so it does, it, it is incredible to, to, to walk through that, but he, he does prepare you every single step of the season. So what are the, some of the things that you're going through now? What have you seen? And what is your best advice that you've been giving to church planners? Uh, best advice, don't quit. There's fruit on the other side. Um, you work hard now. There's there's benefits later. I'm telling you, a large launch solves 99% of your problems. It really does. Um, because with a large launch, you get people, you get momentum, and you get money. It's just like we we were, and we're, we're a little bit of an exception on some things, but we were self-sufficient from month number two, like, I mean, we had money through September, but October, you know, we, we met budget in month number two. Um, that was a big deal for me. Like as a, as a, the weight of the finances, actually we're four and a half years in, we've never had like financial pressure in our church um, to God be the glory. Like we just always lived in a budget. You know, we, we have some financial principles that are pretty, pretty smart. Um, I taught on giving uh, March of my first year. And I think it's brilliant. Honestly, I think people wait too long to talk about giving. You have people coming and getting saved. Talk about giving. Yeah. Giving is so much bigger than, than building your church finances, even though it does that. Is It activates people in faith and it connects people their heart with your church. It really does. Yeah. So I tell people, preach on giving within your first year. I think it's important for them to understand. And it's the hardest subject and it lets them see how you connect with the hardest subject there is. There's not a harder subject to preach on than giving. I don't think so. Definitely. Um, so anyway, I did that. Now I'm in a different world, man. I'm trying to build, you know, staffing and structures. And I mean, it's a totally different world. I'm getting my doctorate right now, which is crazy. I should never be doing that. It's just, you do stupid stuff when you become a church planner. Now I've got three kids. I got a fourth kid on the way. So I don't know. You just, my life is crazy. Um, but, but be content in the season you're in. Um, I tell engaged couples, you know, engaged couples can be like, oh, that's a terrible season, especially if they're waiting to have sex. Like that's a big deal. So they can be miserable. It reminds me of a church planner. It's like, one day I'm going to be able to do this. It's going to be awesome. And I'm like, uh, you know, it'll, it'll go quicker than you thought. Um, that, is so that is so good. But people don't enjoy the engagement process. Yeah. Like you're never, hopefully, you're never going to be engaged again. Have, yeah. yeah. Enjoy that season. Have fun. Like, you know, and, and, and then this first year of church planning, you'll never have that time again. Like, it's enjoyable. I made, uh, I'll tell you this, this is, this is interesting. People can deal with a busy restaurant and, and bad stuff as long as there's crazy buzz about it. Yeah. Because it's the thing in town. It's, it's the new thing in town. They give you a lot of grace because you're new. There's a lot of people. They don't expect you to be perfect. 
So don't try to be perfect. Laugh about your mistakes. Joke around. We had this the power turn off one service and I'm preaching in the dark, stupid stuff. We we had mice running through our facility. We're in the grossest theater. I just laughed about it. I made jokes all the time about it. You know what? Uh, we're untraditional in church, not just in normal ways, but look at our facility. This place is a dump, but we got your kid's place clean. I want you to know, we didn't clean this room, but the kid's room is clean. So we'd say stupid stuff like that, but just enjoy the seasons. I think people, you know, um, the days are long, but the years are short. They are, man. You're going to go through and go, man, we just celebrated last month, four and a half years as a church. We do half birthdays, which I think is a good idea for people. We blow away half birthdays. We love it. Like it's our half birthday. So we did four and a half year birthday. Huge thing. Celebrated. Made it a big vision day. Talked about our new campus location we're opening in St. Pete. Um, so, you know, we just celebrate it. Now I live the dream. I mean, I, I just, I love it. I love our team. We have the best staff. I, I mean, and my staff, most of my staff is spiritual sons or daughters. Years of pouring into people. You get saved in the church. A bunch of them got saved in my youth group, got called into ministry in the youth group. They come with you. So, and you're doing life with all your, your closest friends. So fun. So for those that are listening, like church planners, stay with it. You're, you're not, you know, it gets better, but it doesn't get easier. It just gets, you know, the more you have, it's just, you just add zeros to things. Like now it's just, we got more people, but that means more budgets and, you know, I mean, our youth guys just sent me a, they want to do swag bags or whatever. I'm like, I never have swag bags at youth. Well, how much is it going to cost? Like $5,000. Imagine my first year in the church going, I think our youth needs $5,000 for some bags for their guests. No, but now it's just, you're bigger. It's just more zeros. So yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Cool. Um, Dang it. I had the question. It was, you got me all hyped up on swag bags. Yeah. 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 Do stuff for your guests. Make them feel loved. <laughs> yeah. So what, what is your, I want you to walk me through just your structure and stuff right now of what, what does your church look like? How are you launching new locations? And so what does your staffing look like from top to bottom? Well, all right. So we, we put in our structure pretty early. So we have attenders. Anybody can attend our church. Everybody's welcome um, at our church. And I, and if you're launching a church in America today, everybody's going to want to know that. So everybody's welcome in our church. Um, gender, age, race, sexual orientation, everybody's welcome. Um, but so I think we have a very wide open door at the front. Um, and then we have a dream team. Our dream team is our serving team. So our serving team, um, pretty much anybody can serve on our team other than a, a few different places. So if you're on stage, you're teaching kids. You're leading a small group. You got to be saved for that. Um, you can't be living with your girlfriend. Um, so there's those kind of things. So we have a standard for that. And then we have our leadership. So our leadership has a strict standard. Um, and they're basically nobody's a leader in our church because they know more. And that's a big deal. You're a leader in our church because you lead more people. So good. We, you said more time. Yeah, you don't, you're not a leader in our church because you know more. And that's the big breakdown because churches years ago, the leaders knew more. They were the smartest people in the Bible. I mean, that knew the Bible. Um, our leaders don't know more. They, they, uh, they lead. By definition, leaders lead. Just what you yeah. Yep. So we, um, so we, we, we celebrate people that work hard, but we elevate people that 
um, build teams. So anybody that's on our leadership team builds teams. So Ephesians 4, we equip the saints for the work of ministry. That's why Jesus himself gave us pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, apostles, um, for the equipping of the saints for work in ministry. So kind of the phrase is once you get into ministry, you actually get out of ministry because you stop doing the work and you start working with people. And your whole job is to equip the saints. I'm using a new phrase with our team right now is that uh, if you're on staff, you do the maintenance. If you're on the dream team, you do the ministry. So staff does the maintenance. Dream team does the ministry. So what it does is that creates healthy volunteer culture because that maintenance is what wears you down. Pay people to do the things that are taxing. They're organizing trailers. They're, They're setting up planning centers. They're doing the behind the scenes part that everybody goes, uh, I don't want everyone a dream teamer to go, Oh, I hate this. I want the dream teamer to go changing lives. I get to do all the ministry, the fun stuff. And right. our staff does all the hard work. Right. So then we do that. Then we have, uh, obviously within our staff, then we have direct, I mean, higher level staff that lead staff. And now we have, I mean, we have pastors that lead them and I have an executive pastor that runs all of our staff um, now. So my goal is, I mean, I, I have one person that reports to me and then everybody reports to him. Um, yeah. So we did that structure right now until we reach probably uh, our next, our next big growth lid is 3,500. So once we get past that 3,500 mark way into threes, we'll change it up and have multiple executives underneath me for right now. I can do it with one. Um, pastors are, are kind of two different types of guys. There's guys that can pastor large amounts of people um, um, that, uh, that can lead only few people. That's me. So I feel like by God's grace, I'll have the potential to lead thousands. Um, but I can really, I'm sorry, lead and manage are the two words. I can lead or pastor thousands, but I can only manage about three or four. Yeah. I know other pastors who can manage and get into the details of, you know, 50. And that's why they have a church of 50 but they can't lead the masses. So I think you got to figure out which one. I think smaller church pastors had the ability to be way more involved with a lot more people. Whereas my personality is I only have a few people I'm involved in, but I can lead big picture lots and lots of people. So there's our top 10 givers of our church, five of them I've never met. I don't know who they are. So that's a big mistake. I should have known who they are, but I looked through the list the other day because I'm trying to work on cultivating generosity. And I realized I go, I've done a terrible job. I'm a not a, some of your best mega church pastors are some of the worst pastors to people because they only pastor about four or five people. And you know what? So did Jesus. So, but he led thousands, but he only pastored a few. And I know a lot of people mess that up. So they'll pastor and they go, I got to be the best of these hundred and their church stays a hundred for the rest of their life. Yeah. Now my job is to equip a few to lead a lot. Yeah. So it's kind of our structure right now. Um, and so our, if you want to be promoted at our church, um, it's not what you know, it's what you can do. Who can you raise up? Who's yeah. being equipped? Who's better? I want to, I tell people all the time, okay. people come in their church and go through next steps process and go, you know, I'm called the ministry. How, how do I get in ministry? I said, okay, lead a team 
And I want to hear from people in a few months about going, I didn't know anybody, but Brenton, he, he, he kept talking to me. He kept, he, he put me in a ministry. He gave me this opportunity and you just work yourself out of a job. And I go, then I have to hire you. So yeah. we have 23 or 25 people on staff now. Um, so it's, we're leaning a little bit larger team now. So, um, so for how many locations you guys got Two, and we're launching our third in, um, September. So, so what's your, what's your strategy for launching uh, new locations, staffing wise, and then just like yeah. we learned everything and what not to do for our first one. Um, literally i mean we that real quick and i'd love to hear that one no it was terrible so we launched our first location our our first video venue um 10 minutes away um it's in a high school in downtown and so um we just we were ready to launch location and we needed the space because we were out of seats in our main auditorium so it was almost like an overflow type experience yeah but we learned a lot um we didn't equip the person correctly. We didn't give them enough resources. We didn't have the uh, best technology experience. We got a whole checklist kind of thing now of just like what we need. Cause when we launch our, our third location, we know exactly what to do. We know what the stage is supposed to be like. We know what the technology is supposed to look like. We know what the kid's face is supposed to look like. So we did not create a comparable experience to what we were doing here. Um, and it was tough. It was a tough experience. Uh, uh, we'll launch our St. Pete location with probably 500 in attendance easily there. Um, because we know how to do it better. Whereas this location, if I did it again, I would be able to do it way better. But, um, so we learned a lot of things, what not to do. So a big mistake we made. So we launched that location in, uh, the end of January, January 29th. And then, uh, a month later, I announced a renovation project at our main site called uh, project 300, where we were going to expand the auditorium and redo kids space. And this is 10 minutes away. So all of these people who missionally went to this downtown site, um, 10 minutes away, now are sitting there listening to me on video talk about a vision of how I'm going to redo this facility that's going to be state of the art. So then they started all coming back. And then we went through Easter and um, we had our Easter service. The day after Easter, we shut it all down and we moved everybody to our downtown location so that we could renovate our space. Cause I thought this is going to be such a good experience at downtown that there's so many people that want to stay there. Well, it was a terrible experience because you got a place that was had 200 people there that now have 1500 that are coming to visit it or 1200 at the time. And we had massive nightmares. So parking nightmares, kids nightmares is the facility wasn't set up for an extra thousand, 1200 people. So instead of it being a good experience, it was a terrible experience. So it tanked our attendance during the whole thing. And then I'm giving updates because I'm having to raise money for this project. So all we're doing while we're there is talking about how great it's going to be when we go back. So then we renovate this thing. We'd go back and that location, a hundred people now. So, um, so anyway, we learned everything what's not to do. So now it's been growing back up. I think there's 240 last week or 250, which is great for that location. Um, so uh, we just realized it should have been further away. You know, we should have never merged them for that for that building project. Um, we learned to do things specific for the locations. You know, if we're going to do something special at downtown, we talk about it downtown. We don't talk about it here. So we've learned to do those kind of things. And then... Um, the importance of community involvement that that location is heavily involved in their community. We're pulling people from that community. So it's, it's a way better event. So 
believe me, we, we learned, I tell people before they launched their, their video venue, talk to me. I know everything what not to do. So that's really funny. Actually, we're, uh, we're going to be launching as a video venue. So we're going to be really? doing video right out the gate so that the experience is the same across the board for all of our future locations and this one. Um, and Are you going to do that? Uh, we're going to shoot the video and then we're going to play it on Sunday morning. So, so you're going to be there while it's video. I'm going to be leading teams. Okay. I'm sure that all my systems, all my processes, all, everybody's on point. And then, so I'm not worrying about preaching. We can make sure that we're developing leaders and every person's going to have a number two. And we're going to right out the gate, try and prepare it so that our, we don't have to make that switch either of we're going from a live experience to a video venue and we have to change the whole culture and retrain everybody to do stuff. Yeah. So this is how we're going to do church right out the gate. Cause I mean, we have a vision to do 10 locations in the next 10 years I across the country. So we got to be able to think differently and do things differently. And I mean, like we're going to have to learn a lot. We're going to hit bumps in the road. We're going to like, I'm not going to say it's the perfect plan. I'm not saying that this is even going to work. This might fail. Who knows? Yeah. But at the same time, we can't keep doing the same thing and expect the same results Absolutely. across the capital region so we got to be able to try something to do and if i fail i'm still 25 years old i can try again <laughs> you're not gonna fail you're gonna do awesome I can go down south and try again <laughs> yeah sure we'll help you out um you know what i think though um to me when you look at facebook when you look at instagram when you look at uh mobile phones it is it is crazy for us to not um, not use technology for the glory of God. Blame it on technology. Like, why would we not do this? Yeah. Why, why would we not use technology? It, does, it doesn't make sense. So we do at the movies. And um, when we do at the movies this year, three out of the five messages are all video messages. Um, actually, our very first year, we started slipping in video messages. So I show, you know, people don't, you know, our church got to experience Robert Morris preach for us. Um, Greg Surratt preached for us. You know, these are like the best of the best. Now, none of those guys know they preach for us. But uh, we just I just ripped some of their messages and played it in our service and made sermon notes with our name on it and did lower thirds because and I know they won't care. But I think the idea is um, that we create. I want people to get used to the video idea. Yeah. So. Um, we need to do that better, but, but it's now it's taking hold. And actually our video experience at downtown is better than our experience here. Now that My, the reason why the reason why I was thinking is so for the past year and a half, I was at next level church in um, in what's it called? Can't even think of it right Fort now. So, no, no, no. The other one. So up in the Northeast with pastor, pastor Joshua Gagnon, yeah. we have 11 locations. We just launched one down by you guys. And um, so out of what 25 experiences only one of them is preached live yep. so i don't understand the added value of the me preaching live ever and then especially in such a volatile like fragile stage of starting the church i need to be able to lead and invest in leaders and make sure that stuff's happening and not be freaking out on sunday morning about my message being being good and it's like if it can work for how many other experiences i don't understand why it has to be that way for this one and like, I mean, I'm a creative arts guy, a yep. production guy. So it's like, I'm not even married to the microphone and I've got a lot of other giftings and being yep. able to speak. It's not like, I don't even want to preach. Honestly, I'd give the mic away tomorrow if I could. Yeah. But I mean, you got to be the lead vision caster and the lead, the lead guy doing it. 
So it's just, it's a, uh, okay, so I got to do this, but I don't want to do this. So, okay, we're just going to do it this way, leverage technology and also be able to lead my teams five times better and raise up another two to take my place within the Absolutely. next seven months. So I think, I think it can work if um, you train yourself how to preach on video. It's mm-hmm. a different world in preaching video and preaching live. I watched my sermon from last week um, just to train myself because I'm like, I don't look at the camera enough. It's different when nobody's in the room, but you know how you're going to do that, how you're going to make it look like, and here's the problem though, is studio versus, versus main auditorium preaching. The difference why video venues work most of the time is because it's raw. They see you make mistakes. They see you do this. So Facebook Live is so popular. Instagram stories are so popular because it's raw. Yeah. So whenever something is, um, the the phrase that's out there when it comes to marketing and when it comes to church world is the more professional it looks, the more unbel- the more non-believable it is. Yeah, we learned that coming from Springfield, Missouri up to Binghamton, New York, because we tried to do the James River um, thing and like, we got to yeah. make everything polish so all this stuff and people didn't vibe with it when we started posting a blurry weird like phone picture or something like on our facebook page that it just started blowing up and we're like what is this this is we had to relearn so much stuff that we thought we knew because oh everybody wants to be at a professional church no especially not in new york we like the dirty we like the raw we like the the new york city like the crap the best food comes from the crappiest looking you know so i don't know you know, so I think if you find that mix for it, I think it'd be good. I, I think there is going to be, have to be some kind of way that you, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see how it does. September 16th. I'll call you on the afternoon. Here's what's crazy. So at CMN, you prayed for us and you prophesied, you said, you're going to do church differently than other people are doing it. And you're going to, your, your church plans going to be different people. And we asking you, how, how are you doing it? And I'm like, I laughed because like, we were just trying to have all these ideas about, about this stuff. And it's like, I don't really know anybody that's launched a church as a venue. Yeah. Like if there is call me cause I need to learn from you. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So like, I was like, okay, that's pretty, pretty cool that, uh, that, that happened. But yeah, I don't know. Y'all are going to do awesome. Y'all are going to do so awesome. So, all right, yo, I got to go. We're going to be signing our, we're signing our lease for our venue. So Dude. like right now and shooting a video and doing all that fun stuff. So you're doing awesome, man. Can I pray for you and church planners yeah. listening? Yeah. Lord, I thank you so much for you're going to do at Bass, what you're going to do at Brenton, and what really what you're going to do uh, through church planners all throughout America. So, Lord, I believe right now that you are raising up the next generation of great churches in our nation, that you're not done with America. So I pray that you would use them, empower them, let them not grow weary in doing good, for in due time they're going to reap the harvest if they do not give up. So, Lord, I speak life into them. They will not quit. They will keep going and move forward. Lord, I pray for supernatural favor over this lease, over the launch in September for all those that are gearing up to launch. Lord, we pray for your blessing over it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thanks for taking it. Let's talk soon. (laughs) All right, boss. Later. Thank you so much for listening to the Planted Podcast with Brenton Johnson. If you like what you heard today, hit subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Leave us a review online and share this life-giving content with your friends and family. Take that dream in your heart and start acting on what's been planted in your heart today. See you next week.